Hi, my name is Lindsay Searle and I'm a home group leader and the cafe ministry leader here at Twin Gabby Baptist Church. And today I'm opening the word of the Lord with you. So please grab your Bibles or your smart devices and turn them to 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 12. That's 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, Exiles scattered through the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you are greatly you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may suffer so grief from all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that were to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that are now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, Turn Gabby Baps, it's Pastor James here, and I'm excited to be back opening up God's Word with us today as we start our new sermon series in the book of 1 Peter, where we'll be reminded that we are strangers living in strange times. But before we do that, let's pray and ask God for help. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your goodness and your grace that has been overflowed to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I, I pray for us as we work through this book of 1 Peter, we will know what it is for us to live out our identity as followers of Jesus in strange times. May your Holy Spirit work powerfully in our lives to change us and to know what it is to live out who we are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever forget things? I do. Do you ever forget where you've placed your car keys? You know, the next day, you know you place them down somewhere, but you've got to get to work on time and you're running around the house and you think, where have I put my car keys? And you've forgotten them. Have you ever forgotten your purse or your wallet? You know you've placed it down somewhere and the next day, where is it? 
Do you ever forget things? Maybe, maybe you forget, you know, you've bought Better Homes and Magaz Better Homes and Gardens magazine and you were reading it, but you can't remember what room you were reading in it and you've just forgotten it. Or maybe you're a teenager and, and you, you run to mum and dad because you've forgotten where you placed your iPhone. And you've got to get on Facebook. Mom, Dad, where's my iPhone? It's really important. I've got to post on TikTok. I've got to get on Instagram. What do you forget? Do you have a memory lapse every now and then? Now, generally, my, my memory's pretty good. I remember many things. I remember interesting dates. I remember intriguing facts. I just like to remember quirky things. But recently, I've noticed that my memory's not as sharp as it once was. It's... It's been a bit laggy. I've noticed as I've had conversations during lockdown or, or as I've been in meetings on, on Zoom, I know before I state what I'm going to say, I know exactly what I'm going to say and, and mid-sentence I, I go, man, what am I talking about? And I have to pause. And I've had this memory lapse for, for a while now. And I thought, this is, it's interesting, but I've read up a little bit about it, thinking, oh man, am I losing my marbles? But, but it's, it's actually something that happens during COVID. It's, it's the, the effects of COVID lockdown. It has an effect. Um, there's been articles written, there's been studies that have found that lockdown and what we're going through and, and being stuck in your home, it actually has an effect on, it, on our memory and, and it causes us to have these memory lapses. It affects how we remember. How are you feeling? as we start to come out of lockdown? Or as restrictions start to ease, how do you view your situation? Do you feel like you're, you're living in strange times? Do you wonder to yourself, the world is changing so quickly, I just feel distant from it. Maybe you feel like a stranger. Or maybe as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, you're slowly starting to shift and you can feel that you're moving to the margins of society. 20 years ago, you remember that it was easy to have conversations about being a Christian. You remember that, that in the workplace, it was easy. But now, 20 years later, you feel like you're further and further on the extremes. You, you don't fit in like you used to fit in. You feel awkward. Or maybe as a young adult, you, you've noticed as you've taken a stand against casual sex outside of marriage, or as you've distanced yourself from the, the drug culture and the party culture of uni, you've started to feel even more excluded and distanced from your friends. In fact, you really feel like you're a stranger living in strange times. And how are we? How are we to live as strangers living in strange times? How are we to live as we feel as followers of Jesus, as we follow him, we feel like we're getting more further and further outside of our culture and more distant from it? Feeling more exposed, more vulnerable. How do you respond? How do you respond to feeling the pinch of maybe being marginalised? I think there's two things that we often do. There's two ways that we often respond. And the first way is we compromise. We compromise in order to fit in. That's one way. But I think a second way that we often as well respond to this is that instead of compromising, we bemoan and we grumble. 
and we go, woe is me, look how the world is turning out. There's the kind of people who share emails and texts about how tragic the world is and it's all doom and gloom. See, both responses, compromising and bemoaning, are actually, they're, they're actions of how we've forgotten. They're, they're moments where we have forgotten. We've forgotten who we are. Because see, 1 Peter addresses that very question. It actually is a book that shows us how to live as strangers in a strange world. So that we don't compromise, but also we're not, woe is me. But what Peter does is he, he shows us how to live faithfully. He shows us how to live out our identity for Jesus. Because see, Peter, he, he, he's writing. He, he's writing to a marginalized group, a group that feels alienated from society. They are becoming more and more on the margins of it. They're feeling distant. They're feeling left out because they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They understand that people don't understand them. They don't get them. They know that people aren't going to speak the same language or, or understand how they're feeling and why they do why that, what they do. And Peter writes, so that we know how to live in this generation. How to live as followers of Jesus. And as a pastor, I've been reminded during COVID that we forget the truth. That we are, we are quick to forget the good news. So today I'm going to ask the question is, how are we to live as strangers living in a strange world? How are we to live as strangers? Well, firstly, we are to remember who we are. And then secondly, we're going to remember what we have. Firstly, remember your identity. How are we to live as strangers in this strange world as followers of Jesus? Peter says to us, he says, remember your identity. What is your vision that is in right, what is your vision that is in right in front of you right now? What is that vision that captures you? Because see, in these opening verses of this letter, Peter is going to blow our miniature self-absorbed view out of the water. You'd expect that Peter, knowing that these people that he's writing to are suffering, they're being persecuted, they feel isolated, they feel marginalized. In a way, you're expecting Peter, he's going to come and he's going to put the shoulder around them and comfort them. And in a way, that is good to give a hug and to comfort in this situation. But Peter does something even better. He's going to give them a bigger picture. He's going to take their eyes off their situation and he's going to give them a Mount, Ever Mount Everest mountaintop experience of seeing the bigger picture. He wants us to see our secure standing before God. He wants us to see the security and the hope that is found in our Savior. Have a look at verse 1 and verse 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the province, provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. See, this, these, these, this, is, a, this is an area, it's, it's modern-day Turkey. 
It's sort of, in a way, it probably covers over 200 square kilometres. And what does Peter say to these people? He says three things, three words. He says, elect, God's elect, God's exiles, God's scattered. Or another way, his elect is it's God's chosen people. Exiles is also sojourner or refugee or, or foreigner. In, in the idea of exile, it's, it's your social identity. These are people who are chosen by God, but they're also different to the society. They, they, they're like foreigners. They're strangers to that society. But not only are they chosen exiles, but they're scattered. They've been dispersed. See, this language that Peter uses here is rich in Old Testament language. It's language that God uses to talk about Israel, God's Old Testament people. They were chosen. They were exiles. They were scattered. See, it draws allusions to Israel who were in exile in Babylon. See, at the end of the book of 1 Peter, it says, I write this from Babylon. It's sort of code name for Rome. But it's to allure the image of the people of the Old Testament. But now what Peter does throughout the rest of the book of 1 Peter is, is that language and that imagery that's used of God's chosen people in the Old Testament, he shifts it and it's, he talks about the church. He's going to talk about the church. See, these people, are they're, they're exiled. Now, under Claudius, Emperor Claudius, in the in AD 41 and 54, he, he set out to establish Roman colonies. He wanted to have many Romes throughout Minor Asia. And so he'd transplant people. He'd move them out of that city and he put them into a different culture. And possibly Peter is picturing that here, maybe. Like people who have, who have left Rome. But see, who's, who is um, Peter writing to? He's writing to Christian Jews. He's writing to Christ. Christian Gentiles who are who are feeling marginalized. People who are facing persecution, who are going to face suffering for following Jesus. And so he wants to remind them of their identity, that you're chosen exiles. Don't be surprised that you feel exiled because you are God's people. But even more than that, he says that before the creation of the world... God the Father set his love on you, he's saying. He's not distant. God is not distant from us, but he knows you and he knows everything about you. Everything that you are facing right now, God knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He's, he has written the story from the beginning to the end. Know your secure identity. Because, see, we don't secure salvation. We don't redeem ourselves. We, we, don't accomplish, we don't accomplish our identity. It's actually the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit who does it. And therefore, because it's of God, it's secure. See, it was planned by the Father to be accomplished by Christ and to be applied by the Holy Spirit. Do you notice that in verse 2? Not only are they these God's people, but there have been people who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So God the Father planned it. But it was through the sanctifying work of the Spirit 
to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood? Do you, do you see how the triune God is at work in your salvation? Because see, if it was up to us, we would let ourselves down. But some of these words, this is deep in theology. But Peter's doing this for a reason. He wants us to know our security. And some of these, these terms like election, some of these, these terms like foreknowledge, they, they're, they're, they're really hard to get our head around. And sometimes we may not fully get our head around them. But why does Peter write this? Well, he writes it because it tells us that the glory goes to God. But not only does this doctrine, the doctrines that he talks about here, not only does it mean that the glory goes to God, but also in the depth of trying to get our head around what it means with what Peter has just said, it's actually designed to give you comfort. It's actually there for comfort so that you know that you are secure. Remember your identity. Remember who you are. Have you remembered this? Have you remembered your identity when you lost your job during COVID? Have you remembered this identity as you've lost your job and you thought, how on earth am I going to pay my bills? Will we as a church remember this identity as we come out of lockdown and as a church and as, as church life is just going to be messy? It's going to be different to how it once was. Will we remember this identity? Because see, knowing who you are and knowing your identity can lead you to one thing. And it leads you to doxology. Have a look at verse 3. It leads you to only praise God. You know, it's in verse 3. Praise or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, in verses 1 to 2, he reminds us that God hasn't forgotten us in our suffering. God hasn't forgotten us in our suffering. And now in verses 3 to 12, he's going to remind us of what we have in our suffering. So he reminds us that God hasn't forgotten us in our situation, but he also reminds us of what God has given us in our situation. And so how are we to live as strangers living in strange time? Well, secondly, we remember what you have. Remember what we have. We have so much because of new birth. Because of new birth. Now, I was I was born on the 12th of April, 1984, I think it was like 5.30 in the morning at Parks Maternity Ward. I was born. James McCleary came into this world. And you know what? It hit me this week. You know what hit me this week? Did you know that I didn't give birth to myself? I didn't decide personally when I was going to come into this world. I had no control over that. See, God is the one who gives new birth. And notice it's not new birth that it's because it's not new birth because I'm pretty awesome. It's not new birth because you're a pretty wholesome kind of person. It's not new birth because you've attended church and you've taken communion. It's not new birth because you've turned up every Sunday or you've gone to every Bible study. It's not new birth because of that. No, it's new birth because of God. It's new birth because of His character. Did you notice that? It's new birth because of His great mercy. Mercy is we don't receive what we deserve. And did you notice all the subjects in the verbs in verse 3? Have a look there again. 
Praise be to the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who in his, he's the subject, his great mercy, he's the subject has given us new birth into a living hope. Being born is an act of God. In his great mercy and through his grace towards sinful people. But check out what we have. Like, have a look at what we have. It's exciting. Remember what you have. Have a look here. It's, we have five things. There's more here, but I'm going, to, I'm going to zoom in on five. It's a living hope. We have a living hope. Through the fog and the haze of life, through the drain and the tiringness of, 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 of endless lockdowns, we have a fixed point of reference. We have a living hope. Have a look there at verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into our it's a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's hope. Hope today is, I just hope something's going to happen. You know, I could hope tonight that I'm going to get pork belly for tea. Now, it might happen, it might not. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was hoping that the Rabbitohs would thrash Penrith Panthers. But I was wrong. But that's not the hope of the Bible. See, the, the hope of the Bible is certain expectation. It's certain hope. In fact, here it's, 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 it's living hope. It's hope that's it's grounded in the resurrection of Jesus. Christ, who was, he was crucified on the cross in our place, where the, where the wrath of God was poured out on his own son that should have been poured out on us. Christ, whose blood was shed, who was beaten and mocked, despised, who died and was buried. But he didn't stay buried because on the third day, the good news on the third day, he was raised from the grave. That's why we have a living hope. Because if you put your hope in me, guess what's going to happen when I hit the grave? I ain't going to raise anyone. There's no hope. But we have a living hope because of the resurrection, because of Jesus. Nothing else in this world will give you a hope like that. We have a living hope because of the future. But not only do we have a living hope, we have an incredible inheritance. Have a look at verse 4. We have an incredible inheritance. Not only have we got its living hope, but we've also got this inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We spend our whole life trying to keep our things safe. We have burglar alarms. We have security cameras. We have fences. We park our cars undercover and maybe polish them once a month. We hope that the hail storm this week doesn't put dents in our cars. We spend our physical and emotional energies on trying to keep our kids safe, on trying to maintain our elderly parents' health. You know, my beard has gone grey. But I can't make it not go cray. Sometimes I, sometimes I think about the inheritance I would get from my parents when my parents die. You know? I, mean, when I think, oh, what, what am I going to get? Hmm. You know? I can tell you one thing. It's, it's, it's not going to be a, a modern TV. It's going to be an old TV. The house, well, it's not going to be perfectly new. It's going to probably need some paint. It's going to be a bit run down. The roof will be a bit rusted. The car, well, the car's not going to be new. It's going to be used and spoiled and faded. 
That inheritance, it's, it's, it's not going to be complete. But the inheritance that we're going to receive from God, this is an inheritance that will be untouched by death. An inheritance that will be unstained by sin and evil. And it will be unimpaired by time. That's the inheritance that we have. But not only that, we have a powerful protector. So the third thing of what we need to know, what do we have? We have a powerful protector. See, no matter the circumstances that you face, no matter how hard life has become, or no matter how overwhelming it may feel right now, God will guard your faith. God will guard your faith. Did you have a look at that? Let's have a look there. Verse 5. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter's talking about, that the salvation Peter's talking about there is, yes, we've received salvation at the cross through Jesus Christ. We have salvation now, but he's talking about the salvation when Jesus returns. That we're going to have it there when Jesus returns. There is no trial too big. There's no suffering too large. There's no situation too encompassing that will take your faith. The triune God who saved us is also the triune God who will see it through. In our first year of marriage, um, you know, you, 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 you'll say anything. You'll say yes to anything your wife asks. So I remember it was around Easter time and my wife said, you know what, I've just seen these beautiful little blue cattle dogs. We should get a little puppy. Wouldn't you like a little puppy? And she brings this little blue cattle dog puppy home and blue dog cattle puppies are absolutely cute. And so we named this dog Dozer because he slept all the time. But now poor old Dozer, he grew up to be a blue cattle dog that was just hypo. But blue cattle dogs are good guard dogs. He was a great guard dog. See, see Dozer, he, 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 he would bark when people came down our driveway. In fact, if, if, if any other male would walk in the house and I wasn't there, he would bark. See, he was 24-7 a day alert and he was guarding us. See, it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether I was there or not. Whether I had the man flu and I was sick in bed. Whether I didn't have the strength to do anything, Dozer guarded us. And God is guarding us. God will save you. He will hold you fast. He will hold you fast as your strength fades. Because one day, all of us, no matter how strong we are, we will fade. Our strength will go. See, God doesn't promise his exiled people. He doesn't promise to us protection from suffering. But rather, he promises to protect us from falling out of faith because of suffering. But he's also refining our faith. See, this is number four. Like, how amazing is this, right? What do we have? He's refining our faith. I wonder what have you feared during lockdown? What's caused you to lose sleep? Or, or maybe what has troubled you so much that it's been hard to go to sleep? And as I reflect on those things in my own life, I, I reflect and I, I realize that they're things that I fear are the things that I can't control. 
The things that are outside of my peripheral that I can take control of. And that is the thing with suffering, isn't it? Suffering is things that we cannot control. We cannot control how people respond to us. We cannot control how we're going to be accepted as you go into universities as a Christian. We can't control how people will behave once they find out that you're a Jesus follower at work. But our suffering is not random. It's refining. So the the God of verse 1 and 2, the triune God, what we know about our identity and the security of our identity, knowing that he knows all things, also means that your suffering has meaning. It's not a random event that's outside of his control. It's not a random event that's outside of his knowledge. God does not waste our suffering. See, in in the ancient world, they believed that good things happened to good people. Bad things happened to bad people. So if good things were happening to you, you were obviously being really good and pleasing the gods. But if bad things were happening happening to you, you'd lost your position with the gods and you needed to do something to get you right with the, with the gods. But here in Christianity, Peter is reminding us, even though bad things happen to us, we are secure because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look at verse 6 and 7. In all of this, You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. As valuable as gold is, I've been watching a TV show this week. It was like on Seven Mate. You know, these, these blokes in Canada, they go gold hunting. It just, as, as valuable as it is, these just little specks out of this tons of rock. As valuable as gold is, it's nowhere near as valuable and as durable as faith under fire. I am. Um, I like a good barbecue. Um, and years ago, we got given a Weber barbecue while we're at Bible College. It's this Weber barbecue. It's supposed to be the best thing to cook your meat on. It's got a grill. It's got a hood. Um, and, and you cook wonderful meat on this Weber. And, and, and when we were at Forbes, our first year at Forbes, I think we had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old. Al said, hey, can you go and cook this chicken? Go, no worries. I went and cooked this chicken on the Weber. But the thing about chickens, and even when you've you know, you got, you got to cook um, kebabs, you know, when they're, they're, they're drenched in you know, flavouring, it just makes your, your Weber dirty. It makes meat stick to the thing. And by the time you've cooked this meat, you know, the frying pan or, or the grill, it's just covered in pieces and chunks of, of chicken and, and, you know, flavouring. And it's like, oh, man, I've got to clean that. But do you know the best way to clean a Weber barbecue? How to get it clean? Well, you turn it up to flat-out heat and you let it smoke and eventually it will burn it all off. So I thought this day I cooked this beautiful chicken, I turned it flat out, went inside, came out a few moments later, just checked, oh, it's still cleaning, did that. A couple of weeks later, so I turned on flat out. A couple of weeks later, Al said, can you go cook some sausages? No worries, Dale, I'll go out there. And I hopped out there, turned the, oh, the gas is on. Oh, it's still on and everything's empty. Oh man, I'd left the gas on. I'd let it go till it emptied the whole bottle out. But I can tell you one thing, though, is as I picked the lid up, that hot plate, that grill, 
had been under so much fire that it was clean, spotless, beautiful, ready to go again. And in the same way, as we go through suffering and through trials, God is refining us. We are not exempt from suffering. We are not exempt. See, 1 Peter, it reminds us of the folly of prosperity gospel that says, you know what? God wants you to prosper and have a rich house, to have heaps of money. And if you're sick, he'll make you well. And this life, he wants everything that's going to go well for you. As J.D. Greer says, he says, the prosperity gospel creates idolaters. Idolaters who use God as a means to his gifts. See, if we think about the prosperity gospel, it's a way that we think, oh, if we love you, God, it's going to get us better gifts. So the prosperity gospel creates idolaters who use God as a means to his gifts rather than lovers of God who would give up his gifts to possess to have him. See, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trouble. See, little while here isn't. You might think, oh, it's just a little bit of a trial in, in this life. It might go for a year or two. Peter's not talking about little in that sense. He's actually wanting us to, to put it in perspective that our life on earth is just a little while. He's putting us into perspective. See, once you get that future inheritance that we are going to get, even what we are facing right now, even though it may seem like Mount Everest that we are climbing is in front of you right now, when we receive that inheritance, when Christ returns, it will only appear like a pile of clothes that you step over when you get up in the morning. He's not, he's not watering away suffering. But he's saying, when we get there into our inheritance, it will seem like nothing. See, no way does Peter minimise our suffering. He doesn't minimise it. He says it's real. But he compares it to what we will get. Because see, rejoicing and joy is grounded in Christ. It's not grounded in our situation. See, it puts us into perspective. You will suffer and you will grieve, but Christ will hold you fast. Through all the various trials of life, whether it's persecution, whether it's persecution for following Jesus, whether it's being marginalised at uni, or whether it's medical, or whether it's cancer, whether whatever kind of trial it will be, whether it's a troublesome, wayward child of yours, or whether it's high school is just so tough for you that you feel like you don't fit in. That through all of this, your love for him will grow more and more. And that love for Jesus will tell you something. It will tell you that through the trials, that as your love grows for him, it will tell you that you are one of his. Did you see that in verse 8? Have a look at verse 8 again. You see it. Though you have not seen him, you, you, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you see what it does? It refines us. But fifthly, what, what are we to remember that we have? Here's what we have. We, we have an extraordinary privileged position. We are in an extraordinarily privileged position. Have you grasped that you are in a privileged position right now 
Despite how you feel, despite how overwhelmed you may be right now, by God's grace, you live in an extraordinarily privileged position. Have a look at verse 10 to 12. That's what it's about. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. Trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they would not serve themselves, that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and even angels long to look into these things. It's, do you realize the privilege, the position that you are in compared to the Old Testament prophets? Because you live in a time of fulfillment. You live in a time where Christ is risen, where we've seen the gospel, you lived in a privileged time where Moses didn't, compared to us. Compared to King David. Compared to the prophet Jeremiah. Even compare yourself to King Solomon. They, they didn't have what we have. As amazing as King Solomon was, or as, as great a King David was, as the Queen of Sheba wanted to come and to speak with King Solomon, as amazing as that was, and amazing as privileged as it was to be that King David or that King Solomon, as privileged as that was, it's not as privileged as you are today. Because of where you live and the time you live. You live in a privileged time. While some might say in Australia we are losing privileges, 1 Peter says, wow, look how privileged you are. Look how privileged you are to be living now in this time and this place. There is no better time. Why? Because Christ is revealed. Maybe if you're a teenager, you think to yourself, if only... If only I was as privileged as that other teenage girl who had the looks, the body. If only I, I was more privileged and, and if I, I had parents like them. If only my parents had more money. Or maybe as an adult you think, man, I, I, if only I was more privileged and I had a better paying job. They're so privileged. We're privileged because Jesus is revealed. Or as we wrestle and we, we think to ourselves, well, I live at 59 Self-Focused Avenue, Toon Gabby. That we've forgotten your privileged position. How are we to live as strangers living in strange times? Remember who you are. Remember what you have. See, how do we live as strangers in strange times where we are to remember our identity? Remember the security of your identity. Remember who God is and who you are and what God has done and the work of the triune God in your life. Remember that identity. Maybe you're watching today and you go, I know I don't have this identity. Or maybe you're watching today and you go, I want this identity that you're talking about. 
Don't wait. Cry out now to God today. Cry out to Him and confess that you need Him. Confess that you've gone your own way. Confess that you are in such desperate need of God's grace through Jesus Christ at the cross. Don't wait. How we live in strange times, remember your identity, but also remember what you have. Remember this week what you have. We have a marker fixed in the sand. We have been born again into a living hope. We've been born to a living hope. We have an incredible inheritance. We have a powerful protector. We have our faith is being refined. And we have an extraordinarily privileged position. Let's this week, let's soak ourselves in this truth. Let's soak each other in this truth this week. So that we remember who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for your goodness to us. Father, thank you for the reminder in the midst of strange times to be reminded of your love for us, that you know everything about us. You know everything that's going on and that we are secure in our identity. But Father, also pray for us that we will know what we have so that we will know how to live out being followers of Jesus in this strange world. Amen.